0: All right, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing good today? I'm not the only one that picked up on Jeff's subliminal dad joke in his messages, right? He said, if you haven't baptized yet and you're wishy-washy, like he used a water analogy on the baptism, I mean, I'm sorry, that's where my mind goes, and Aurora probably just rolled her eyes at me, but that's what we do. I'm uh, excited to be here with you guys this morning. We're going to dive into a new series Uh, Today and welcome if you're joining us online and uh, I want to open up this morning with a a couple different stories One of them is going to be a bit more on the humorous side and one of them will will not be But I think they both prove a good point as we dive in today Um, Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 And uh, we're gonna that's gonna be a a spearhead verse for us when we get there for this series But um, open up with this there's a man in a hot air balloon realized he was lost He reduced altitude and spotted a woman below He descended a bit more and shouted, "'Excuse me, can you help me? "'I promised a friend I would meet him an hour ago, "'but I don't know where I am.' The woman replied, "'You are in a hot air balloon "'hovering approximately 10 meters above the ground. "'You are between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude "'and 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. "'You must be an engineer,' said the balloonist. "'I am,' replied the woman. "'How do you know?' "'Well,' answered the balloonist, "'everything you told me is technically correct, "'but I have no idea what to make of your information, "'and in fact I am still lost.'" Frankly, you have not been much help so far. The woman below replied, you must be in management. (laughs) I am, replied the balloonist. How do you know? Well, said the woman, you don't know where you are or where you're going. You've risen where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. You made a promise which you have no idea how to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is, you're exactly in the same position you were before we met me, but now somehow it's my fault. (laughs) Right, two different people... In one situation, totally taking it different directions, and that's because obviously in the story you have the engineer and management, two different people who look at something totally different, even though they're in the same situation trying to get information from each other. Different people, because you know, we all have different personalities, right? Now here's, here's a more serious story about someone who's different. A young 16-year-old Salvation Army soldier was walking to the church from his house for a Bible study one day. In those days, soldiers wore uniforms to every church function. On route to the church, there were were 12 to 15 of his peers hanging outside the pool hall that he had to pass. His classmates laughed as he walked by. They used choice language and threw rocks. He stood out because he he didn't subscribe to the norms. He didn't fit the standard image and style, and he chose a different path for his life, different than those around him. So that one, not so funny, but again, two different people, Same place, different reaction to the environment, right? So we're going to talk uh, today. We're going to start a brand new series all about the same concept: standing out, being different, and what does the world say about standing out and being different? And uh, we're we're looking at a chameleon as our kind of animal for this, or reptile. A a chameleon is fascinating when you really think about what what it can do. It's the master of disguise. When it goes in its environment, it's placed in, it'll change its color, and it does it for a number of different reasons, right? So a chameleon, when it goes it'll disguise itself to fit in one reason to hide from predators, the second reason to hide from prey. You see, both of those, I think it's cool because it's hiding from both predators and prey, but it's hiding for different reasons, but it's still doing the same thing. It's hiding one for protection and the other for eating, but no matter how it's hiding, it's doing both of those for survival. To stay alive is whether it's, to keep from being eaten by something or attacked or to eat something that doesn't know it's there. But it's fascinating, I think, how one trait, it doing the thing it's designed to do, can be used for two totally different things. And if you go to a zoo somewhere or you go to a kind of a, a, an exhibit where you can see reptiles, um, I know I, I like to, when you go in there and it says, find the, they'll say, find the chameleon. You start looking through, and sometimes it'll take you a while to find the thing that is so cleverly blended in to whatever environment that it's looking at. And sometimes I find when someone, whether I find it or Stephanie finds it or even one of the kids finds it, if we're looking, it's always funny when we say, oh my gosh, I looked there. Like I totally thought I saw it, but you, you went right by because it was so blended into its environment. It can blend in almost perfectly. And if you really focus, it can be still hard to miss. It's pretty cool. So the question is, how does this relate to us? How, how, why would we choose a chameleon for this? What do we have to do with chameleons? And I think that for us, <clears throat> one of the fundamental aspects we have of being a Christ follower is that we are easily—we're supposed to be easily identifiable when we pl- when we're placed against the backdrop of the world. Meaning, we're we're supposed to be sta- we're supposed to stand out. The world is supposed to be looking around and go, "Oh, that person is different." There's something we're not supposed to blend in with what's going on around us. Kind of like the young soldier in our story. He was walking by and people were picking on him and making fun of him because he so easily stood out against the norm of what the world said and he was getting made fun of and thrown rocks at for it. Now, the truth is, though, for so many of us, I think, uh, and, and I went through times like this in my life too, we just want to blend in. It's so much easier to blend in, so much easier to not stand out, to not have people notice you. Blend in with the crowd rather than, than shine out from the crowd, just like a communion would do in its environment. And we're going to look at Romans 12 and see a very clear statement on what we are supposed to do in our lives, Some, a trait that we're supposed to have as we go through our journey following God and when it comes to the world and standing out. So the second verse, Romans 12, chapter 2, written by the Apostle Paul, he says it very simply this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will will. I think in this sentence, Paul gives us a great principle that we're going to unpack for a while. And this principle is this, fitting in versus standing out. Fitting in versus standing out. What do we want to do? What are we called to do? What does the Bible say about fitting in versus standing out? And I think for a lot of us, when we look at one of the most awkward times in our lives where we had to fit in or stand out was probably middle school and high school. And you guys can probably identify a lot with some of this, right? There's, there's a, these are very important parts of your life where you, you think, all right, am I going to do what my friends say? Am I going to try and fit in with the crowd, maybe the in crowd or the popular crowd? Or am I going to stand out from this crowd? And quite simply, when, when you're in school, I think one of, the, one of the ways that we think to maintain good friendships or good relationships is to do the fitting in. You don't want to be that person that gets, gets exiled or kicked out of groups. You, you, you start to shift your personality a little bit. You start to conform to those habits around you, especially people that you think like, wow, this person in school, they have it. They are all in. That Everyone wants to be around this person because of how they act, what they say, what they do. And so we start conforming our life to have, fitting into their sense of community because maybe you've never experienced something like it before. Oftentimes, when I was a youth pastor, um, students would tell me, like, they act one way in school because they don't get acceptance at home, but they feel like they're accepted if they change their habits at school. So they conform to the world around them. They conform to the different things that they see to be accepted. The downside of this, though, is if you conform to that, what you're experiencing is a false community, You're compromising your values, and from something I know, not from my life, but from scripture as well, when you compromise your values to conform to something else, that never works out ultimately in the end. The upside is you do feel like you're part of a community, but the bad part far outweighs the good in the long run here. I think the only reason, if you, if you conform and change who you are to be accepted by those around you, whether it's in school or just even in social groups now, the problem is then we're accepted due to the person we're pretending to be and not the person that we actually are called to be or who we really are in the first place. And then what happens when people discover who you really are? They find out maybe you're, that you're just putting on a face or you were lying about aspects of your life. Some of them may leave. Some may stay, but, but either way, it can be a very traumatizing process being outed because you're not something you were putting forth to be. Now, now, as Christ followers, there's one thing I think Scripture makes very clear that we're supposed to do. I think very clearly Scripture says in so many places, we're supposed to imitate Christ. We're, we're supposed to go and be like Christ, treat others like Christ, interact with the world the way that Christ would interact with the world. Now, if we say we're Christians and we continue living like everybody else, there's a clear difference there. The, the world doesn't say act like Christ. The world doesn't say love like Christ, give like Christ, lead and serve like Christ. The world says to do a lot of things for ourselves and fit in and what makes you happy. If, if there's a phrase that in my, this recent season of my life that, that kind of just triggers me is the wrong word, but just kind of gets me like, no, 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 is when someone goes, well, they're just doing what makes them happy. For me, I'm just like, oh man, but... There's such a clear contradiction between what makes us happy versus what brings Christ joy. And there's a difference in how we act and do that. We may have entire friend groups that know nothing of our faith or who we are in Christ if we're not standing out. That's just not in school. That's in life everywhere we go. These are false communities who only like you for who you're pretending to be. God calls us to stand out. And I really want that to be a focal point for this whole series. If anything, We are called to stand out rather than fit in. And this is not an easy process, but I do think this is a really important one. And some questions we'll be tackling throughout this series are this What does conforming even look like? What what does it look like when we alternate or we, we alter who we are to the people around us? What are some patterns that we as humans are tempted to conform to? And once we identify those, what does true transformation look like when we say, God, God, I've given my life to you. Now transform in my heart, work in me so I can be transformed out there. What is your definition, God? And then once we know what transformation looks like, let's have, we'll talk about the why. What is the purpose? Why is this so important and huge for us? But first, I think we have to start with the foundation. What does what conforming actually look like in today's world? The word conform means to assume a similar outward form by following the same pattern. So to assume a similar outward form following the same pattern. So with that in mind, our first point is this. In Scripture, we will find that when it comes to conforming to the world, God confronts people consistently. So there's confronting, you're conforming. And that's something that we're all going to have to come through or come to grips with in our life. There's going to be a point where you are confronting, you're conforming. How many of us have ever had someone in our lives that, that we looked up to, and we—I mean—just raise a hand. You saw someone, you're like, "I want to be like that person." Whether it was now, whether it was when you were a kid, you saw someone, you're like, "I want to be like that person." I've—I've um, I've shared before that I played a lot of baseball growing up, and even though I was—I am a huge San Francisco Giants fan, I do root for the Mariners. They're in a different division; they don't play each other. To go Mariners! But I was—I am a huge Giants fan. Even said that. My favorite player played for the Oakland A's, and his name was Mark McGuire. I played first and third base. Mark McGuire played first base. He was a power hitter. I was a power hitter. I would watch and model his swing. I wanted to be like him until eventually I found out that his power swing was not my power swing. No matter how hard I tried to squat, I mean, he had a very unique squat and, and swing that was not me. It was not comfortable. And I played much better when I was myself and not trying to be him. Now, I did do other things he did, you know, batting Kate is in practice, and he talked about how he would twist his hips and swing. So There were aspects I took into it, but I had to be myself in this process. I couldn't change who I was to fit who he was because we are not the same person. So... It's almost like you try on characteristics and see, see what fits. And so in our lives, when we see someone that we, we look up to, we want to model, we start trying on their characteristics. You say, this person is doing this, I want to try a little bit of that on for me. I want to see what fits for my life, and if I can conform and change a little bit of this to be more like that person. But what happens when those patterns and behaviors grow with you and they become your habits and characteristics, specifically the ones that are not beneficial for you? If someone's doing something, you say, I want to be more like this person, and you start taking on even their bad habits. And then those bad habits become your bad habits. And then you realize later, I don't like them. And you start wondering, I don't like who I've become now because I've done so much changing of who I am to be like other people. When we come to this point in life, now there's got to be a confrontation. Now you've got to confront all the conforming we've done. And this obviously, this can happen in a multitude of ways, internally and externally. But I think as believers, we can expect that at different times in our lives, we're going to be confronted with the truth of God. He's going to come and have a conversation with you about what you're doing and where he wants to take you. A very popular story we're going to read through, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 26, we'll see an example of what this divine confrontation looks like. And many of us know the story. This is the woman at the well, but we'll read through it here together. John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had gone through Samaria, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came over to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. "'How can you ask me for a drink? "'For Jews did not associate with Samaritans.' "'Jesus answered her, "'If you knew the gift of God "'and who it is that asks you for a drink, "'you would have asked him "'and he would have given you living water.' "'Sir,' so the woman said, "'You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. "'Where can you get this living water? "'Are you greater than our father Jacob "'who gave us the well and drank from it himself and also, "'as did also his sons and his livestock?' Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Here comes the confronting. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right. When you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is a great story of confronting and grace and truth and compassion, all in just just one small chunk of the big story of the Bible. You see, John has this encounter with this woman at the well, and in this culture, the Jews, which Jesus was one of them, did not talk with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were hated by the Gentiles and the Jewish people. Nobody wanted to associate with the Samaritans. Most people did everything they could to avoid interaction with them. In fact, if you had to get from point A to point B and Samaria was in the middle, you would take a long route around, even though it would take more time, to just avoid Samaritans in general. So Jesus doesn't care about the social norms and taboos. He is more interested in the redemption of all of mankind. So he says, we are going through here because I have an appointment. And he meets with this woman at the well around noon. And what else is uh, interesting about this is noon is is not the time that a woman would come to draw water. Usually they they would come later in the day, but she was so ashamed of her lifestyle, she wanted to avoid encounters with everyone, so she went when people would not be at the well. Nevertheless, she wasn't expecting Jesus to be waiting for her there. And he offers her living water. He makes her aware of her lifestyle that will never truly fulfill her. And, he, and she doesn't quite pick up that when he says, hey, the water you're drinking from, he's not talking about the well. He's talking about her life. What is she doing with her life? It will keep you thirsty. Everything you're doing is not going to fill you up. But if you, give them to, if you come to me, you take what I offer, this will fill you up. She doesn't quite get it. He, he tells her, you have had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. He calls her out in the way that, that she is living in to offer her a better way of life. See, she is conformed to her patterns. She is conformed to her way of life. She has her, her rhythm set, right? She has her, her guy that she's with now. She knows the time she's gonna get her water and she is set in her ways. And she even tells him, like, you shouldn't even be talking to me. This is, this is the way life is. This is what I've accepted. And Jesus says, no, this is not the way I have for you. I'm gonna confront your life because we are gonna transform your life. You see, the path, the deep transformation has to begin with confronting the negative worldly patterns in our life. And you can, we can probably all think of things. What are things we do right now that are negative? Things that we know, this is not the narrative God has for me, but I am doing it. It has to be confronted first. For the woman at the well, it happened in an actual encounter and conversation with Jesus who drew her attention to these patterns in her life. Maybe Jesus is trying to call out things in your life, things, things that are not normal, things that have bring no eternal value into your walk. Maybe you've been following those patterns for, for months, for years even. Maybe it's much easier because you, you're like, well, if I just add this into my life, if I act or do this, then I fit in with the people around me. Sometimes turn, people turn to sexual immorality because that fits in with the crowd that they hang around. Sometimes people will turn to alcohol because that fits in with the crowd they hang around. But what is God calling you to say, hey, this is not adding eternal value to your life and we're going to confront it now because it's much better to stand out in these areas than it is to fit in in these areas. Maybe, you know, you can keep friendships to just fit in if you follow others' lead, even though that's not the best thing for you. Know this, no matter what it is, Jesus is offering you a better way of life. He is always offering a better way of life here and now. Just like his encounter with someone at the well, he's not just offering you a better life, he's offering you an abundant life. John 10.10 says this, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and live it in abundance. Man, that abundance though, that, that comes, the abundance that the world offers. What the world will offer you will come at a price a price that we end up paying eternally for this temporary satisfaction, for things that we want so badly right now that eventually we learn it's just not worth it. When we decide to conform, what we're saying and doing is placing our value in a very temporary world with a very temporary something that offers a very temporary satisfaction. And that's everything Jesus is telling this woman at the well. He's saying, everything you're doing is so temporary because you're gonna want it more. You're gonna wanna do it again and again and again because that satisfaction is a fleeting feeling But what he is offering is something that will transform and not leave you wanting what you left behind. See, when we place our value on the temporary, we're placing our value in the world. We're rejecting God's personal invitation to something so much bigger and greater than the world could anything give you. So a couple questions then is, what do we do with this invitation? And and the second point today, it really is a question for all of us to ask as we think about conforming and uh, and confronting and, and transforming. The question for all of us is this. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I I would hope that the fact that that you're here and we're all here today, we we would all say yes to this. Yes, we all want to get better. We all want to dive in a little deeper. We all want God to transform us in some way, shape, or form. We're not content with the way we are. Otherwise, we could be doing anything else on a Sunday morning. We we could be anywhere else doing anything, but, but the fact I think that we're here means there is something that we want. We want God to work in some way in our lives. And so that question, do you want to get well? John chapter 5, we see another story of a man who Jesus actually asks this question to. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed men waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down to the pool from time to time and stir up the water and the first one who got up in the water was stirred and recovered from whatever ailment they had. That was the the thought behind the stirring of the water. So a man was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. And that day was the Sabbath. Now, in this story, Jesus comes to this man. He had been just invalid and crippled 38 years, lying at this pool. And actually, in order to get to this particular man, it says there are people all over. Jesus had to have been seeing a lot of people all around that had this, this ailment of waiting for the water to get stirred so they could jump in and feel like, the, like the, the belief was, if the water stirs, I get in, I'm going to be healed. But he couldn't move. So he had been there for 38 years waiting for someone to take him over to the water. And then the question is, what's so special about this one man? Why, do, why does Jesus step over or around or not... Acknowledge the other people around, but he goes to this one man. And I, I personally don't have the answer for that, but I do believe that Jesus had an appointment right there with this man, and he was to confront his conforming to the situation around him. Jesus literally confronts him at the pool. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and realized he been a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? What Jesus was looking at was ultimately a man who had fully conformed to his circumstance— and we see that by the answer that he gives, too. He didn't just say, like, yes, yes, I do want to get well. And he didn't, he didn't, it's a situation, he gave an excuse ultimately. He said, Do you want to get well? And he says, Well, I have no one to help me when the water is stirred. Someone else goes, so this is just, this is where I am now. I'm just going to lay here. Yes, I want to get well, but I'm just going to lay here. The handicapped man was discouraged, obviously, but, but he couldn't see a pathway to healing. He wanted, but, but when confronted with a simple question, he was only able to respond with the reality that he believed he occupied because he had been there for so long. No one will help me, I just get to lay here. All he could see was the obstacles. And I would argue that in his condition, he was just looking at his obstacles, his suffering, his situation, and he had lost hope because he conformed to what he had believed. And that was that he was just gonna sit there for the rest of his life. He had a mindset of hopelessness but little did he know that standing right in front of him not the pool but literally standing right in front of him was the pool of healing the one who could say stand up and walk christ was looking right into his soul looking into bring healing into this wholeness of life on this particular day And this story, this example, makes me honestly wonder, how many times has this happened in my life, where where I'm staring at at the thing that I've been conformed to stare at, and I completely miss what God is saying, look at this, look at me, look at me in this situation, not at the hardship, Don't don't give up or give in or just buy into what the world is telling you, look at me, I'm in front of you, I can get you through this, don't conform to what the world is saying, be transformed by what I can do in you through this instead. I think the same question that was asked 2,000 years ago is still relevant today for all of us. Do you want to get well? Whatever situation you're in right now, whatever trial you're going through, do you want to get well? And if you say, yes, yes, I do, maybe Jesus is standing right in front of you saying, then here's what we need to do. Here's what you need to look at in your life. What have you been conforming to? Let's work on it. Let's work through it, and let's move on. I'm not set, ask this question another way. Do you want the transformative power of God to move in your life? If you want it, let's act on it. Third today is this. The world conforms while the word transforms. The world conforms while the word transforms. The the words of Christ challenged this guy. They confronted this man at the pool of Bethesda, and just like I believe Christ really challenges and confronts us all today in so many ways. Um, In Daniel chapter 3, we see another group of people who are this, are they going to conform, or are they going to stand strong and not conform to the world and let God transform those around them? So we have in Daniel chapter 3 this very selfish and arrogant king. We have King Nebuchadnezzar. And and this king, full of himself, builds this gold statue. A lot of us know this story too. 90 feet tall. He's saying, everyone's going to look at me. When the music plays, we are going to worship me. This statue of me, no exceptions, do it. And sure enough, the music plays, and we have three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are still standing. They don't bow down. They don't conform. They say, we will not worship this. And they decided in that moment, they will not conform to the world. Would it have been easier to bow down? Yes, absolutely. It's like, God, even they could have even justified it. Guys, we know we don't mean this, but we got a job to do, so let's just get on our knees, yay, and then get on with our lives. But they don't do it. They say, no, this, this is wrong. This, there, there's, so many, there's so many reasons why we shouldn't do this. And they say, we will not do it. And this wasn't just for convenience sake. I mean, think, a lot of us will conform for convenience. We talk about friends and saying, you know, it's, it's easier to, to blend in with our friend group so we don't get called out or made fun of. This was literal life and death. This was, if you do not conform, you will die. And their reply was, we will not conform. We won't do it. The king says, I will burn you alive. But I love what they say. They tell him they're confident God will save them. But the key line in this whole thing, they say, even if he doesn't, We're prepared to meet him because we will not. They don't worship. As a result, they are tied, bound, and thrown into the furnace. And the furnace, the fire is so big that the guards that throw them in are consumed by the flames. But like I said, many of us know the story. God saves them. Nothing burns except for the ropes that were tying them together. The king orders them out, and then his decree is now to praise their God and not his statue. I think that the key to all that, though, is here. The king was demanding conformity. The king demanding it. You had to do what he said. There was no second option. Do this or die. Conform or suffer. In our lives, I think we'll face this issue to a degree. Maybe not to that extreme, but I think we will face the option to conform and give way to the world or to stand strong and give way for God. What does this look like for us? It could be different for everybody here. It will be different, I believe, for everybody here. But the common denominator will be we have to sacrifice what the world wants to give to gain what God wants to give. Don't conform to the world. Transform to God. The more we, the more we spend time in God's word, the more we say, you know what? This is now transforming my heart and I can step away from what the world says because I'm being transformed into the image of God and what God wants me to do. And that will always beat the world's view every time. The world will want to conform. The word will lead you to transform. So much of the messaging you hear in life is inviting you to conform to a worldly image that falls short of the glory of God. And sometimes, these are some things the world will tell you. The world will say, you know what? You need to buy a nicer car. You have to buy a nicer car. You have to get a new home. You must go get this new home. You deserve better. You deserve more. Bigger, more, better, ultimately that just turns into blah, 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 because the world will throw it at you. There, there, there are things that, um, I, I was looking at this thing online, there was this, this cool calendar app and, and device that was like, you know, manage your calendar, manage your structure, and I was like, this looks really, really cool, and then it said, it's only $300, and I was like, well, do I want it? I do, I'm, I'm a gadget and gizmo person, I do want it. Do I need it? No. Do I deserve it? I think so. I think I deserve it? Mm-hmm. Do I want it? Yeah, but do I need it? No, of course, because I clicked on it once. That's all I see on Facebook and Instagram now. It's calendar. You need this. You need it. You want it. And all the it's the best thing. It'll revolutionize your life. But that's the line that got me when I was looking at this. It'll revolutionize your life, and I was like, Will this really revolutionize my life? Because if I really want to put money where my mouth is, I know the power of God will revolutionize my life. I got to make sure that is what is pushing me forward above anything else. Now, if I one day were to be like, oh, I can afford this. Is it a sin to get it? No, it's a fun gizmo and gadget. But do I need it? No, I don't need it. I don't need the world to tell me what I need. I need God's word to tell me what I need. The message of the Bible, however, invites you to the transformative power of God. The world will say you need something. God will say what what is a necessity for your life. If, if you're here today and you're still trying to figure out what the negative pattern in your life is or why they still seem to be present, maybe there's a correlation with that and the amount of time that we spend in God's Word. I got the privilege of uh, youth a couple weeks ago. I got to, to lead the discussion with our youth group on Thursdays, and, um, and I love our students. Um, I love that you guys sit up here on a Sunday. I love hanging out with you guys on Thursday nights. It's a lot of fun, and, and we, we, one thing I asked was uh, <laughs> we talked about how much time do we spend in God. We, we talked about getting the silent treatment. Has anyone ever been a recipient of or been giving to someone the silent treatment? And we we had a fun conversation about the silent treatment. And I said, well, sometimes in our life, we feel like God's not talking to us. But how often is that? Because in the the moment, we say, all right, God, I need you now. I want this. But then we can look back and go, oh, man, for like four months, I've been giving God the silent treatment. I haven't spent any time with him. I haven't been reading his word. I haven't been communicating with him. And I think in our lives, so many times when we feel like, man, there's a pattern in our life that we just feel like we fall back into. I'm conforming in so many ways. We can look back and say, man, I feel like these are so prominent in my life because I'm not spending enough time with God and allowing him to really transform me. If you want to feel God transform in your life, let the word transform you. If you want that to happen, you've got to spend time in it. For example, if you want to get in better shape, you don't just watch a video, read a chapter, and say, now I'm in the best shape of my life. You got to spend time researching it. You got to spend time actively doing what it says. Our walk with God's going to be the same way. If we want to see God transform our lives, spend time in the Word. That's the first part. Second part, do it. Actually, do what it says. I'll pull up the verse again Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our our heads, if you're a tech person like me, let me put it in this terms, our minds are the most powerful supercomputers in the world. They are hardwired to store and recall information that you take in throughout a lifetime, and sometimes information that is useless, right? Is anybody here good at like trivia nights at different things? I am. I, I have so many useless knowledge here. My kids tell me all the time I should be on a game show. We, we started watching a game show called The Floor. I don't know if anyone started watching that one yet. It's a fun one. Fun, fun family good game show. Or I was watching a Celebrity Jeopardy with my kids, and I'm answering all these questions, and they're looking at me like, Dad, you could be making thousands of dollars right now being on a game show because our minds are wired to store information. Now, <clears throat> it'll recall things that you take in through a lifetime. Maybe it's a bit time. If you know that about your mind, if you know that I will read things and it will get stored and it will come back at a prominent time, or maybe it'll come back at a random time, why not start filling it with the most useful information ever? Why not start saying, I'm going to spend actual real time reading the Word of God, spending time with God, letting that be what fills my heart, and then letting my mind start to get transformed. If you want to experience transformation, let the word of God in first. Let it transform. I think we are all in need of spiritual and mental renewal. And I can tell you from personal experience, this book, the Bible, this is the source of what we're seeking. This is not just, this is not just paper on, or words on paper. This is the living, breathing, active word of God. It is alive. It will never fail. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says the word of God. It's living in act- or the, flower, the grass withers and flowers fade. The word of God stands forever. It was written so long ago, it is still alive today. Never let it go away. Never, let it not, never doubt what it can do to your mind when you let it actively work in you. God is ready to meet you right where you are and take you right where he wants you to be and transform you into the best person possible, the best, the best vessel for his glory out there. So the question is, do you want to be healed? Do you want that transformative of power of God in your life? Do you want the abundant life that God has for you and that it says in John 10.10? If the answer is yes to any of those, start in his word. Let him transform you. Don't be like the chameleon that blends in. Don't, don't say, it's going to be so much easier if I just don't do this and just go through life every day, just go to work, check the box, get my paycheck, check the box, say whatever I want around my friends because they like me. Stand out. We're called to be different. We are called to make a difference with the kingdom of God. Let him transform you. I'd like to invite the worship team up as we come to a close this morning. But uh, renewing your mind, being transformed, not conforming to the world around you, these are not easy. These are not easy. And, and I'll, I'll you know, tell the youth right now, school will be so much easier if you just do what your friends say. Life will be so much easier if you say, well, such and such is doing this, and they seem to have it together, so I will do that too. This person said it's okay, so it must be okay, and everyone likes them. That will make school easier. But will it make school or your life better? And that's a hard no. It will not make it better. Look at what God wants you to do. You guys are in the biggest mission field ever right now, your school's. Every day you get to be surrounded by literally hundreds or at some school over a thousand people who may not know Jesus and you are there. Stand out. And don't, don't be that, that weird person, right, that it was like, well, they love Jesus and they are really weird and I don't want to be around them. But I believe you can stand out in a way where people will look at you and say, they have something and I want it. I want it because they are living, your pouring out the fruits of the Spirit. You are pouring out what Jesus is. And people that didn't even know who Jesus was or what he was about, they were drawn to him because of his message. You guys are in a great place. Stand out, don't conform, be that person that can revolutionize people around you. And not just for students, for all of us. Wherever you are in life, know that you have an opportunity to stand out in the best way possible. To let God transform you and then in turn have you transform those around you. Would you stand with me? God desires us to be transformed. Ask yourself that question, though. Do you want it? Do you want it, and do you want the world to see it? Next week, we have baptisms, and um, I'll echo what Jeff said. Um, I mean, I, I am an emotional person, but, man, baptisms for me, this is one of the best things we can do here at church we get to celebrate people who are saying this exactly right now. I decided I will not conform to the world. I let Jesus transform my life, and I'm going to tell everybody about the decision I made. If you want to do that and you've never been baptized before and you're saying, hey, I want to do it, come talk to me. Come, come talk to me. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, man, next week, let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's declare to the heavens. Let's declare to the world, I will not conform to the world. I am set apart and being transformed by Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I, I thank you that, that you transform in the best ways possible. And I pray for all of us here that in our lives, we don't conform to the world. God, we make a stand and say, I am different. I will be different. I was created to be different. And that is an amazing thing because that difference is you working in our lives. God, I pray that in every, opportun- that every opportunity we have, every circumstance that we find ourselves in, we stand strong to your word. We let your word transform and work through us, God, and we let it transform those around us as well. So God, let us not blend in. Let us stand out because you have designed us to stand out and make a difference here. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen.